Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your home for progressive, thought-provoking real talk in the chiropractic profession. Featuring the legends, the innovators, and the thought leaders that move our profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. You can learn more about the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance at forwardthinkingchiro.com, at our Instagram page, which is at FTCA underscore official, and of course, the legendary Facebook group, which is the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Please join us, get your name on the map, uh, get referrals, and get a lot of great benefits and support forward-thinking chiropractors and students around the globe. Our guest today uh, is going to be introduced just after a couple sponsors. Our first sponsor is China Gel. Check them out at chinagel.com. They have great analgesic topical pain-relieving creams and uh, the instrument-assisted soft tissue cream. The soft tissue cream is excellent. I highly recommend that. I use it in my office all the time. Uh, get hooked up with China Gel uh, and contact the team over at ChinaGel.com and they will take care of you if you mention the FTCA. And speaking of soft tissue tools, the T-Tool is a, uh, it's like the SUV of soft tissue tools and it saves your hands and you can check them out at T-Tool.com. It's T-Tool.com. And you can see some demos on how the T-Tool works. It's not like your average soft tissue tool that's just sort of a blade, uh, more or less two-dimensional flat. The T-Tool is three-dimensional. It has a lot of different surfaces and ways that it can be applied to the patient. So it's definitely something you want to check out at thetool.com. And our final sponsor to have mentioned is Parker Seminars. Parker Seminars on October 2nd through the 4th, 2020. It's doing Parker Seminars XR. It's a digital event. It's online, but it's still going to be a blast. Um, so be sure to check that out. You can go to parkerseminars.com and learn about all their events. And they're going to be doing some live events soon. We'll, eventually, we'll all be giving back into live events. But you know Parker's probably going to innovate that uh, ahead of anybody else. They're way ahead of the curve. So check out parkerseminars.com. And you're going to want to check out the Chiropractic Business Summit, which is put on by Dr. Kevin Christie and myself at the Chiropractic Success Academy. So the Chiropractic Business Summit is a uh, virtual summit. So it's just like going to an event, but it's virtual. And it's we've got 20 over 20 speakers, almost into the 30 speaker range, something like that. It's free to register. Uh, if you want to keep copies of the presentations, which people love to do, there's a little little price to upgrade to keep those for a lifetime access, uh, but we're talking about business only. We're talking about like real business subjects. Like we're talking about real estate. We're talking about finances. We're talking about taxes. We're talking about um, staff management and marketing and all these other things, all the things that are, that have to do with your business. This, if you're listening to this podcast on time, that summit is September 12th through the 13th. So it's very soon. Um, and you can access it by going to a bit.ly link, bit.ly. So it's HTTPS, you know, the colon in the backslash, backslash, bit.ly, bit.ly slash Cairo business, one word, Cairo business. 
uh, or you can check it out. We, uh, if you're a part of the Mar Modern Chiropractic Marketing Facebook group, there's information there. The Forward Thinking Chiropractic Facebook group, there's information on how to register there. The Chiropractic Success Academy Facebook business page has information on how to register there. And uh, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance uh, Instagram has information on how to register there. Okay. So we got all that housekeeping out of the way. Let's talk about our guest. Uh, we are talking about commercial real estate today, and our guest is a commercial real estate expert who successfully completed over a thousand commercial real estate transactions while saving his clients hundreds of millions of dollars. He founded and scaled CAR, a nationwide commercial real estate company to specifically represent the needs and interests of healthcare providers. So CAR really works on commercial real estate for us healthcare providers. My guest has mastered several niches in the healthcare real estate industry and is passionate about helping others maximize your profitability through real estate. Uh, they have a car has a no conflict of interest approach of not representing landlords and sellers. And this was our guest's idea when he was met with open arms and he was met with open arms from hundreds of dentists, physicians, chiropractors, veterinarians, optometrists, and other healthcare providers. Today, CAR is the nation's leading healthcare real estate advisor team with a team of experts that span from coast to coast. So our guest today is Mr. Colin Carr, and I hope you enjoy this podcast because I think it's super, super informative. It's probably one of the more informative podcasts we've ever done. Uh, so I will see you on the other side. Enjoy. Everyone, welcome to Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. And my guest today is Colin Carr. You can find him just about everywhere on social media, and it's all real easy to find. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, it's all Carr, C-A-R-R, healthcare. Uh, one problem I have here, Colin, is I see an Instagram, I see Twitter, I see YouTube, I see Facebook, I see LinkedIn, it's all Carr Healthcare. I don't see a TikTok, my friend. Where's your TikTok? That is one uh, area that we have not gotten into yet. So I don't, I don't have a good answer besides Come saying on, we're, brother. Uh, I need I to see not... Colin Carr dancing. <sighs> maybe, maybe we'll <laughs> save that excitement for 2021. How's that? Yeah, that sounds good. That's, that's a bet. Um, what would you, what is it that you say you do? Did you ever see office space where they're like, what do you, what would you say you do around here? What Absolutely. does Colin Carr do? So Colin Carr or Carr or both? Both, both. All right, we'll start. We'll start with car. So our our company is car, and we are in commercial real estate, and we have a double niche. We only represent healthcare providers as tenants and buyers. So we have you have all of real estate. We're in the niche of commercial real estate. Then we're in the niche of only working in the healthcare space, and then we go even further that we're only on the tenant and buyer side. So our only clients are healthcare providers, as specialized as you can get, which is awesome. Uh, me personally, I started the company in 09 and we, we did just Colorado for the first five years. And then in the beginning of 15, we decided to start scaling and getting into other markets. And we are now in about 40 States and have the privilege of representing a couple thousand healthcare providers per year. So I spend a lot of my time building systems and processes for training and for overseeing clients and deals, finding deals. Uh, facilitating deals, taking care of our clients at the highest level, and building, you know, building staff and processes around those ideas. 
how'd you get into this? What, what drove you into this? Like why, why are you getting up in the morning excited about this? Yeah. I, so I, I do, I do get up in the morning excited. I love what I do. Uh, I've been doing real estate since I was 19. I had the proverbial finish high school, don't know what you want to do. And so you, you tell yourself, I'm going to take six months or, you know, a year and try to figure it out. And then I'll jump in next year. And uh, I started working as a property manager at 19, managing a bunch of apartment complexes. Uh, and I just, I got fascinated with the business and decided to take the, the hit the streets, you know, beat the streets route versus college. Uh, so I did that for a handful of years. And then I got my broker's license when I was 23 I uh, started working for a company that represented uh, Walmart, Wendy's, Blockbuster, a bunch of big national retailers. And then uh, over over a number of years, I started getting uh, involved with some healthcare deals, some medical office buildings. And the the short story long, if you will, <laughs> is uh, I had a couple of situations where I was working for these landlords that owned uh, you know large large portfolios of medical office buildings. And I had a couple of deals that I was working for the landlord and they just absolutely crushed the healthcare provider. Uh, the health, I had a couple of deals where the healthcare provider showed up. I had, a, I had a plastic surgeon show up to one deal. I had a physician show up to another deal and they didn't have representation. They, they were obviously very intelligent when it came to you know, medicine and clinically, had no idea when it came to commercial real estate. And I watched uh, these landlords just crush them. What, and see- you're saying this isn't like when you rent commercial property, this isn't like going to rent a house. You don't just kind of show up and sign a contract with the landlord. Like there's, <laughs> absolutely, there's, yeah. this can go bad. This, this can go bad. It can go very bad. And it usually can go very bad to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And of course, no, no one's thinking that they're thinking that it's, you know, well, I'm going to buy a pot. I'm going to buy a case of rubber gloves and you know, there's gotta be a pretty, pretty fine margin there. And it's, you know, maybe I get a better deal somewhere else, but it's at least going to be quote a fair deal. And, you know, I'm going to do okay at it. And they don't understand that, that there's, there's usually, you know, minimum tens of thousands on the line and a small short-term deal. Uh, average deals got a hundred to $250,000 uh, on the line that could either be won or lost depending on how you do in the negotiation. And then you get into some larger deals or larger transactions and, it gets even more more costly. So you can you can win or lose, and the 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 prize or the cost is is very expensive. So like a lot of re- real estate situations, there's like right now my family we're trying to buy a new house, and there's of course the sellers and they the there's agents that represent the sellers and we have our agent that represents us, uh, and our agent loves putting people in homes. Is this a scenario where you started to see um, that there were there's a real niche for putting the right customer, the right doctor, into the proper into the proper facility, the proper spacing? Yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. I mean, finding the right property, finding the right the right demographic, the right area, the right synergy of of other providers or other other things that draw patients, staff, et cetera, the things that make the, the practice thrive. That's definitely part of it. For me personally, my favorite part of it is the actual, is the negotiation side of it. So finding the right property, that's definitely there, but uh, it's the negotiation of protecting the healthcare provider, helping them achieve the most favorable terms. Uh, that's the part that, that I thrive on. And that's, that's the part that's the most challenging. And, and 
you know, we, we talk about it. Anybody can drive around and, and call on a property or, you know, find something online. That's, that's definitely part of it. And there's a skill set there. Don't get me wrong, but it's really in the negotiations. That's where the deals made or lost. And that's where healthcare providers uh, specifically get usually get crushed if they don't know what they're doing. Well, what, what are the most important terms to negotiate on a lease and uh, how do you go about achieving the most favorable terms on those? Absolutely. So you've got, you've got concepts like lease rate, which is the, the, the item that gets the most attention. You've got right. what's going to be the base lease rate. You've also got operating expenses, what the landlords can pass through, what they can't pass through. Uh, and then you get into concepts such as annual increases. It's customary right. to have an annual increase. What is that going to be? If it's 2% or 3% or 4%, Again, over a five, five, ten year period, five that can be a big years, difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get into concepts like tenant improvement allowance. How much will the landlord pay for your space or for the build out? Um, you know that that can sway the deal by tens of thousands to over six figures. You get into concepts like build out period. How much time do you have to build it out? Are you paying anything just operating costs, or does the landlord cover the entire expense during build out? That's a big one. Uh, free rent allowances once you open. That's a lot of people don't know you can, you can achieve that, but you can usually get free rent for the build out, but you can also usually get free rent once the lease commences and the space is built out or the new term starts. And that's ideal because it offsets moving costs. It offsets startup costs, et cetera. Um, and then you can get into all sorts of other concepts. You can get into business deal points such as assignability clauses. If you want to sell the practice or you want to transition to something else and you want someone to take over the lease, can you do that? Number one is, is the first question, but can you also do that and get off the lease, which is more important? So there's all sorts of economic considerations. There's all sorts of business deal points that you need to pay attention to as well. And you're typically looking at, you know, a solid, you know, dozen or more concepts that you've got to take care of in every deal. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Like, cause, cause some of the next questions would be like, you know, how, how do you help how, what are the, what are the victory points for a healthcare provider to reach? But you kind of, you kind of nailed those. And if you wanted to say like, well, cause you did say you can save hundreds of thousands of dollars in these negotiations and my head just started rolling around like a cash register on all the things you said. Um, but yeah, let me, there, I mean, let me, let me break it down for a second too. Cause yeah, people please hear do. That, they hear that number and they're like, I don't, you know, that seems yeah, like that's you're a big number, dude. Come on, man. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, so let's say you're let's say you're in a space that's 2,500 square feet, and let's say you're doing a lease renewal as an example. You've been in a space for five or seven or ten years. You like the space, but your lease has ratcheted up every single year. It has an annual increase. It ratchets up two percent, three percent, four percent, what have you. Well, in the majority of those scenarios, in a lease renewal, the annual increases outpace inflation. So you end up in a scenario where your current lease rate is usually above market. It's very rare to get down with the lease and have the lease rate be below market. Uh, and, and that's not what we're seeing right now. So let's say that you're in a space and your, your lease is ratcheting up. You come to the end of the term and, and you're two, three dollars a square foot above market. All right. So you take three dollars a square foot times twenty five hundred square feet. That's seven thousand five hundred dollars per year in extra rent that you're paying that you could avoid paying if you negotiate it properly or you could get stuck paying if you don't. And so $7,500 times 10 is $75,000 over the next 10 year period. Uh, most people don't realize it though as well, that you should be able to achieve free rent even on a lease renewal. And let's say that you, Ooh, don't, interesting. you don't go after free rent on a lease renewal because the landlord tells you we don't do free rent on a lease renewal. 
and you believe them, which is, you know, that's the landlord strategy to tell you stuff that's not true and, and hope let you believe them. Cause if you believe them, it saves the landlord tens of thousands of dollars and it costs you tens of thousands. So uh, if you were to capture two or three months of free rent on a five or seven or 10 year renewal, all of a sudden you pick up 10 or 15 or $20,000. And then when it comes to new carpet, new paint, new, you know, new ceiling tiles, new lights, whatever, whatever the hot button is, maybe it's a new reception, uh, new lobby, whatever it is, new cabinets, if you pay for that yourself or you don't pay for it and the space just looks tired versus the landlord paying for that for you. And so you start to add up these concepts, the annual increases, it's not hard to get to a hundred thousand dollars really quickly. And so when you start to break it down like that and you make people aware of this is what's on the line, all of a sudden they start to realize I've got to handle this transaction with a lot more intentionality and I've got to come to the table with the real strategy and a posture. I can't just bluff my way through it because the, the cost is too high if I, if I mess up. This is interesting. All right. So you said the word intentionality. Um, in, our, in our tribe, in this Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance tribe, we do have a lot of young practitioners. Some of them are, are brand new graduates or maybe they've got through their first associateship, which is almost like that, that first year or two of practice is almost like an apprenticeship or an internship. You're barely learning the ropes and they don't have much business responsibility they just have clinic responsibilities basically a lot of the and i'm gonna i'm gonna use the word kids they're not kids they're grown adults they're professionals they're business people but sometimes the way they behave is very kid-like <laughs> they're like yep. i i there's like a lot of emotional decisions in these in these decision making processes which breaks my heart they they end up like just trying to find a room in the back of a gym um you know like like these spaces that are not good for business what they're afraid of this process i gotta tell you colin like a lot of these folks don't even know that you can get free rent they don't even understand the free rent concept you if you explained free rent right now to right now on this podcast i think it would blow some of these younger doctors minds that they can negotiate free rent into their lease absolutely well and, and here's the challenge is that uh you don't get this. You don't get this in school. You don't get this when you yeah, associate. Yeah. I mean, you, you just don't. It's learn not their stuff. fault. Yeah. Yeah. You got enough to figure out. And again, that's why people are experts. I mean, that's why patients come to you to do the adjustment versus trying to do it themselves. They're not trained in that. It's you can try to bluff your way through it or take the do it yourself mentality at home, but you're not going to get the same result. That's why they come to the provider. Uh, that's why they should be coming to the healthcare real estate specialist. It's the same concept. Uh, there you, you can you can go without and there's usually a cost of that you can try to do it yourself that usually costs you even more because usually you mess it up yeah. um, you know it, it, even when it comes to negotiating i always joke it, it's like uh people take the, the approach on negotiating uh they'd be the equivalent of saying well hey well stretching is good so stretch as hard as you possibly can <laughs> like that's <laughs> that that doesn't work that way there, uh -huh. there's a there's a a penalty for doing that and you can do the same thing if you over negotiate a deal you can end up with a with a dramatically inferior deal and people don't have a, a, a gauge for that like well no I just i'll get to the lowest number and then the owner will stop and it's like no if you ask for too much that's not that's not market the landlord will assume that that frankly you're an idiot you don't know what you're doing and they're not going to give you even a fraction of what they'd give someone if they were educated absolutely if you ask for too much free rent as opposed to giving you the most free rent and then stopping they'll give you way less free rent than you get if you would have done it appropriately. And so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of mistakes you can make. Uh, and 
and, and frankly, younger providers just haven't seen enough or met enough people to understand what's out there. Does, does where, your, where you lease your commercial office space matter? Absolutely. Yeah, location, location has a huge impact on the success of the practice. And, and this is where you get into to trade-offs, typically that, that revolve around office versus retail. Yeah. You, you, have to, you have to make a choice. Am I going to go in a retail storefront where I have a, a, a nice sign above the space? I might be on the monument sign of the pylon and people pull up, they see my space can walk right in. Or am I going to be in an office building where I don't have the signage, but maybe my rent is more competitive? Maybe I can get a larger square footage for a lower price. Maybe I get a better window line if that's important to me. Um, and so there's a, there's a give and take on that. And that gets into the question of, you know, what's, what's the better choice? The answer to that question is you've got you to see and understand your options. Yep. You're looking at your options. You should look at options for retail, look at options for office, and you should compare them and, and not fall in love with one prior to understanding what the economics or terms would be. And so you, you go to the market, you look at office, you look at retail, you look at options to lease, look at options to purchase. And then here's one of the biggest differentiators between commercial and residential is in commercial, it is, it is custom to negotiate on multiple properties simultaneously. Oh, yes. That's interesting. And that's, that's the difference. For those that haven't bought a house, usually when you're buying a home, you can really only put in an offer technically. I mean, let's not talk about what happens under the table, but technically you're putting in one offer at a time. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because you're submitting an actual purchase contract yes. and if the seller accepts it, you're under contract. And so you're exactly right. It, it's illegal. It's illegal to write a purchase contract and induce the seller to go under contract into a legally binding contract without the intention of moving forward. If you're going to go get under contract on four houses and you only plan on buying one, you're going to have some claims against you. And commercial, you negotiate in a non-binding format. You have a non-binding letter of intent, an LOI, or a non-binding request for proposal, an RFP. And it's, it's custom for you to negotiate with two, three, or four owners at one time. And that ultimately, that, that's, how, that's how major corporations, publicly traded companies, Fortune 500 companies, that's what they do is they have professional advisors, professional real estate teams, or they hire brokers to help them. And they go do all the due diligence. They negotiate 100% uh, bona fide offers and deals. We get them fully negotiated. And then they compare and they put them against each other. And that's how they ensure that they don't miss a better deal at a different property. They don't just go after one and then hope they didn't miss other options or hope they didn't leave one on the table. They go after three, four properties, go two, three, four rounds of negotiations. <laughs> and when they're done with that process, they know for a fact that they didn't miss a deal or miss negotiating further on the deal. They know, they know that they got the best terms possible. This, that all sounds exhausting to me <laughs> and, and people yeah. like me who just kind of want to see patients, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that, that's the average transaction takes about 40 to 50 hours to complete. If you know what you're doing, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we track all of our deals. You know, we don't have a time clock like an attorney does as far as billing hourly because we don't bill it. It's paid by the landlord, as you know, but, um, that, but you know, the average deal takes about 40 to 50 hours of your time to get completed. And so if you don't know what you're doing as well, it, it gets even higher than that. Who, who's a, who, I don't, I don't want to put it that way. I want to put it this way. Who's a candidate? Who is, who needs, 
what you do. Like if some, some once again, kid, if a, a young doctor comes out of school and they really only want a room or two, a, a little bit of space, let's say a thousand square feet, is it still appropriate to use a professional to negotiate these leases? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. There, there can be a transaction that sometimes gets on the small side or gets on the, the, the short side as far as term where it becomes challenging. If someone says, hey, I just want one office and I want to do a one-year deal, that's not, that's not really feasible for you know, an agent to represent them and actually effectively change the deal because there's just such little amount of time, such little amount of dollars on the table, yeah. and there's not going to be as much there. Just for people uh, that are committed to a committed to a practice, committed to a community, and ready to go. Yeah, that's in there all day long. I mean, if you're looking at uh, the space, can be a little smaller. It doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to be five thousand square feet. The space could be twelve hundred or fifteen hundred square feet. If if you're getting to the point where you're going to do, you know, let's say a five year term or or longer, that's giving you the ability at this point then to have more ability to negotiate because you're giving the landlord uh, a higher and longer commitment. And so the landlords give back concessions of tenant improvement allowance, of free rents, those things when they are receiving uh, a value. They're receiving longer leases, they're receiving a commitment, and then they can afford to put money in the space and build it out for you or help you build it out and invest in the space because they know that you're going to reciprocate by being in the space and paying rent faithfully for the next you know, five, seven, or 10 years. So uh, short answer to your question is someone's looking to do a six-month or a one-year deal or just give it a shot or take it down you know, one office in a space, that's not really a transaction where you're going to probably move the needle a whole lot. Um, If you're looking to to open up a legitimate office that you're going to be committed to, that you're going to grow uh, over the future and and do a five or seven or 10 year deal, and you want the land to put legitimate money in the space, um, that's a, that's a deal where you definitely need representation. Yeah. What do people need to know about their lease when it comes to transitioning their practice? Because Things change over time, um, and I'm going to lead into this with a second question later after you answer this, but like techniques change or bringing in a new associate or some people add on different services. So what ways do you sort of project that into into somebody's lease and the negotiations for when their practice transitions? When you deal with the transition, one of the, the, the most important factors is the assignability clause. And the assignability clause, it can, it can be called something different than that, but that's, that's the main or the most commonly named provision. And the assignability clause is just that it means that you can assign the lease to someone else and typically the person who's buying your practice. The, the key there is not just having that in the lease where you can assign the lease. You've got to have a provision uh, inside of the assignability clause that allows you to be removed from the lease. And that's where healthcare providers blow this all the time. And again, it's, it's not because they're, they're, they're foolish. It's just, this is something that landlords are going to guarantee the healthcare providers not going to understand or pick up on. So they'll give them an assignability clause if they ask for it. Uh, but it typically says that they have to stay on the lease and that's not going to help the, the doctor that sells get off. I mean, that's yeah. the equivalent of you selling your house and having to be a personal guarantor for the buyer for their yeah. mortgage. Like that's literally the equivalent. You can't, a lot of times you can't, you can't step foot in that practice anymore. You can't pursue the patients. You've got all these non-competes and yet you're still a guarantor of the lease. That's a bad scenario, but it happens all the time. So the key is you've got to have an assignability clause, number one. And then number two, you've got to have the right language that allows you to get off the lease. This uh, goes back to that intentionality 
comment that you made. Uh, it's one thing that we talk about a lot in, in our group and in this, uh, the Chiropractic Success Academy. It's that classic quote, you don't get into a business without an exit plan or an exit strategy. And you just see it written all over uh, chiropractic leases a lot of the times too, is like people get into them without any plan for how to get out to transition, to sell. I mean, the whole purpose for being in a business is to eventually build something and then hopefully sell it. It's like equity, you know, uh, yeah. but chiropractors don't think like that. They think I'm going to start practicing and they literally just, a lot of them think they're going to practice until they literally drop dead on a patient. And then that's it. Yep. Like, we don't see a lot of retirement planning. We don't see a lot of asset management planning. Uh, I just, we just don't see a lot of it in perspective. Like if you compared it to other professions, like an accountant or a dentist or a physician or an attorney, like you don't see the chiropractic profession planning out their lives as succinctly as these other professions would. Like, for instance, my next question would be, should I buy or lease my office space? Like when, when does that switch flip and I, and I need to go into buy mode instead of lease mode? Yeah, well, I, let me comment on the first thing you said is that uh, they're, not, they're not approaching it with the same uh, you know, big picture, long-term mentality, and they need to. I mean, it, it, there's, there's value built in. You've got, you've got a, a office space or a storefront that has value. It has interior build-outs. It has functionality. It has recognition as being a chiropractor's office. You've got a patient base. You do have equipment and technology. And so you have all these things that are built in there. And so I love the fact that you guys are emphasizing that because uh, there are a lot of providers walking away from uh, tangible value and, yeah. and they, they need to pay attention. Certain industries, the dental industry, the medical industry, uh, veterinary, certain ones do better than others, but uh, they, people need to be approaching their transactions in their office space with the idea that I've got to have, I, I want to build an asset. I, I want to build I want to build a space and a brand and an office that allows me to sell it and having the right real estate, having a legitimate space with legitimate finishes. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a major component to that long-term approach. Which is, it's also what you've done with car, the company. Now I, I, I want, I don't even know you, but I want to lecture you about naming your own company after yourself and the resale value of something that's named after you young man. But well, yeah, fun, like I always tell enough, people, don't yeah. name your practice after yourself. Because if your name's Johnson and the person buying it is Smith, they're going to have some explaining to do of why Smith is in Johnson's practice. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, fu yeah, the funny thing on that one is, uh, uh, like a lot of people, when I started the company, it, it, the goal was simply just to help healthcare providers. Yeah, like yeah. The goal, See, intentionality, the goal, dude. Yeah. So the the goal was, man, I saw I saw a need, I saw an opportunity, and I thought, you know what, this would be great. And so that's that was the game plan. And then it's morphed from there. And uh, yeah, that's a funny comment though. I appreciate that. But you're, you're building, you're building systems and equity within that you're building systems and processes for management and things that are valuable. And uh, sometimes the chiropractor doesn't see that, that they they've built a place, they've built a space, they've built a system, whether it was by accident or not. And those things have, have a value to them that they have to appreciate. It's not just the patient numbers or the income. Correct. Yep. I totally agree. I totally so agree. Back to the so, question. When do you flip the switch? When do you buy versus lease? When should that go so, off in your mind? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times people uh, that are in a, a younger phase of their career and they're just getting started, they don't know, is this, is this the area that I want to be located in? Is this the right amount of square footage? 
if you have questions about do I want to be here for the long the long haul, is this the amount of space that I'm going to need long term? Leasing can be a great way to get in the game. It allows you to get in. Landlords uh, oftentimes will give you free rent for build out. They'll give you free rent once you open. They'll pay for a portion or even sometimes even all of your build out, depending on how complex it is. And if you're younger in your career and you can get a landlord to help get you in the game, uh, that's a phenomenal way to, to, to leverage the leasing market. If you want to get into a space that is highly visible with huge signage and exposure, it, it might be in a center that's grocery anchored or it's got a lot of you know, very attractive retailers there that drive a lot of business to the center and can get you uh, built in marketing, leasing, leasing can be an outstanding opportunity. If you get to the place where you know the square footage that you're going to want to occupy and you can, you can afford it and you know the area that you want to be and you're committed to that area for the foreseeable future, uh, purchasing can make a ton of sense. So what we tell clients is you should look at all your options. You should look at options to lease and purchase going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago. And then what you do is you negotiate on, on all your options. And if you end up in a scenario where the effective cost of owning is less than leasing or it's similar, then, then by all means, that could be a phenomenal opportunity. The benefits of owning are that you pick up additional tax deductions because you can depreciate the asset. There's other wow. tax strategies that, that you can employ. But the biggest reason you purchase is because every time you cut the check per month to your lender, a portion of that goes to pay down principal. And in turn, your net worth increases every month. And so if one scenario says you're going to lease at 6,000 a month and one scenario says you're going to own uh, at eight or 9,000 a month at first glance, you're like, well, I don't want to afford that or I can't afford that. But if three or 4,000 per month goes to pay down principal and you pick up additional tax deductions, the effective cost of owning can actually be less than leasing. And so a lot of it comes down to, to the, to the dollars and cents. How much of a reality is owning commercial real estate for say your average chiropractor, you know, making like 120, 200,000 a year gross, you know, like, is it, a, is it a reality? Because I think some of these practitioners don't think owning commercial real estate is, is in their cards. I, it's a hundred percent realistic. Uh, again, it, it might not be realistic for, you know, for the, the younger practitioner opening their first office, you know, year one. But I mean, we, we help a ton of chiropractors purchase real estate. Should this be an end goal for every chiropractor out there who it, knows what they it, want in, in their, in their community? I think it's one they should 100% consider. I mean, there, there are certain markets where like, let me give you an example. Let's say you're in Orange County in California <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and your option to own, you know, your option is to lease a space for four or 5,000 a month. And your option to own is to buy a $4 million building. Well, yeah. you know, in that scenario, it, it might not be in the cards. Uh, it, but if you're, if you're in a market where there's options to own or options to purchase land and build your own buildings, or if they have office condos, which are just like residential condos, they're, they're buildings that are broken into smaller spaces that you can purchase. If that's yeah. the case, uh, you should 100% look at owning because here's the reality. You've, you've got to have a space one way or the other. You're either going to cut a check to a third party landlord or you're going to cut a check to a lender and the game plan in commercial real estate, you're usually doing 15, 20 year loans. They do have an SBA product that goes 25 years residential. Usually you're doing 30 year loans. You can go shorter, but usually the 30 year product commercial. It's, it's a 15, 20 year product typically. So if you can find, 
the opportunity to buy the right space or the right building or to buy land and build your own facility. And in 15, 20 years, that can be paid off. You're typically looking at an asset that's going to be worth as much, if not more than your practice. And it's, it's not uncommon to, you know, to, to buy a space or a building or buy a piece of land and build your own, your own facility and have that property be worth, you know, over a million dollars in the next 15, 20 years and have you own it free and clear, still have to pay operating costs like taxes, insurance, utilities, just like if you had no mortgage, still got to pay the operating costs. But it's very common to have healthcare providers pay off a building in 15, 20 years and have that be worth a half million, 800,000, a million, five million, depends on the size of the building. And that's a tremendous way to diversify and build an additional asset base. We're just planting those seeds for people as they mature in their business management. Uh, we do have some people in our tribe of, of FTCA members who want to not only own a, a practice, but add a fitness facility to it. Now, COVID has thrown a wrench in their game, no doubt. Um, but I think the idea of them leasing or owning the, the amount of square footage you need to have a gym absolutely terrifies them. Uh, and that's business, right? Like the, they'd have to cover those expenses. But um, is it, do, do you, in your service at least, I mean, I, I know an accountant would be involved in this as well, but at least in your service, I wouldn't call it coaching, but do you present these folks, these clients with the realities? Can someone just call you and ask you questions and say, what are my realities? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can typically ask them a handful of questions uh, to narrow down on which, which scenarios could be a possibility and which ones make no sense for them. One of the, the best things we can bring to the table is information, uh, market intelligence data, or just evaluate their scenario so that they're not wasting time. No, nobody wants to waste time. And unfortunately, wasting time is what happens when you don't understand the process or you're not, you're not playing with the full deck. I mean, if you think you can go buy a $4 million building and there's no chance you can do that, and you're out looking at $4 million buildings, that's a waste of everyone's time. Sure. Uh, conversely, if you don't think you can own real estate, but there's actually products out there, loan products where you could get in with, you know, five or 10% down and there's, there's unique strategies like seller financing or other scenarios that can get you in a product that you didn't think you could afford and you're missing that. That's, that's a huge loss too. So arming people with information, helping them understand what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. What's the right timing? What's the right type of property? What's the right amount of exposure and risk? That's all stuff that we do on a daily basis. But they're going to need a commercial real estate agent as well. That, and that's who we are. That's what yeah. we do. We are, we are the commercial real estate agent and, and that, that's the game plan. So, you know, depends on the transaction. Uh, if they have a lender, that's great. If they need help with financing, we can introduce lenders that have uh, products that might not be available or that they, excuse me, that might not have been available to them previously that are now, or they might not have been aware of. And then, yeah, you've got CPAs to help them figure out tax structures. You got attorneys to help figure out the legalities. You've got, you know, practice management consultant to help them optimize the practice and, and really grow it. So yeah, there's, it, it's a team, no question. Oh yeah. Well, that's intentionality once again. So we, we've definitely got a tribe, uh, a subset of our tribe that I like to call the lone wolves. They are solo practitioners. Uh, they like to do things on their own. They don't want anyone in their business doing stuff. 
and I'm trying to bring them to the water and say, you have to have a team <laughs> and not just like TurboTax and maybe your, your grandma folds the laundry for you, but you gotta have like a team of professionals to help you get to that next level. And a lot of them are like, well, I don't really want to go to the next level. I'm happy in my own little office space and that's fine. But there's really no way to win at this game without a team of competent professionals um, on your side. How do they, how do these folks pick? How do they pick the best commercial real estate? What are the qualities of a, of a superb commercial real estate agent? Yeah, that's a great question. If you are a healthcare tenant or buyer and you're looking at hiring someone to represent you, the, the first thing that you've got to start with is you've got to trust the person. And I know that's obvious, but too many times people will, will, you know, hear about somebody or call someone and they'll, they'll reach out and they'll start talking to the person and they, they don't have full confidence or maybe there's something that they don't like about the person or they feel a little awkward, but they don't know who else to call. And so they just settle for that person. And our recommendation is do not do that. If, if you are not comfortable with the person you're talking to, if you don't believe they have your best interests at mind and they're going to protect you and advocate you 100%, you just don't go there. You, you have to take the time and the diligence to, to find more people. So it starts with you got to trust the person and, and fully believe that they've got your best interest in mind. The next concept is they've got to understand commercial real estate. You can't hire you can't hire a residential agent to be your commercial agent. It doesn't work that way. It's like saying, well, you know, I need a doctor to replace my hip. Well, the psychiatrist is a doctor too, so I'll just go to that. But you, you can't do that. It's too different. You got to find somebody who understands commercial. And then you've got to go on to the idea that you've got to avoid conflicts of interest. So you can't work with the landlord's agent because they have a legal fiduciary obligation to help the landlord achieve the highest lease rates, the best terms for the landlord, they can't also help you. It's like going to court and asking the person that's suing you if their attorney can also give you advice. You can't legally do that. Yeah. So you got to trust the person. They've got to understand commercial. And then they got to end up in a place where there's no conflicts. They can't represent the landlord. They can't represent other landlords in the area. You've got to get a no conflicts of interest approach. And if you can do that, you can end up in a really good place. Well, how convenient that car is all of these things. <laughs> well, and, and, and let me tell you why we decided to become all these things, because this is, this is a real life scenario is I'm, I'm working for a landlord. A doctor shows up at a medical office building and says, Hey, you know, can you help me? Uh, I start giving them information and they don't have a clue what's going on. And so I'm doing the best I can to educate them without violating my fiduciary to the landlord. And then they look at me and ask me the question. And I said, Hey, you know, am I getting crushed right now? Am I getting owned in this negotiation? And my response is I can't legally answer that for you Yeah, because I work for the landlord. So I had a couple of those scenarios where I just, I didn't like the position that was put in and I, I picked a side. I chose, I chose a side. And I, at the time I had a couple dozen landlord listings, believe it or not. I, I had a massive <laughs> landlord portfolio and um, not that I didn't like working for landlords. I just, I liked the, I liked the doctor better and I felt the doctor needed my help more. So, um, if I wasn't doing the landlord work, another one of, you know, 500 brokers in the market would step up and list that property, but there was really nobody that was out there to help the doctor. And so that's, that's the niche that I chose. No, it's awesome. Good for you for sure. Um, I, I always tell people that the commercial real estate agent can be, especially the young chiropractor, like somebody who's just graduated from school and they're looking to move to a new area and they don't know much about the area. We, we discuss some demographic stuff, but 
like the commercial real estate agent could be your absolute best friend, in my opinion. This is what we tell people. So you are a commercial real estate agent. You can confirm this or you can tell me I'm out of my damn mind. But when it comes to the uh, the regional demographics, the psychographics of an area, what that what that region is like, what it's like to do business in the region, whether you would want to avoid the mall whatsoever if you were going to set up a business around there or, or, you know, how the freeways are set up. There's no one better to ask these questions than a commercial real estate agent who understands the area. I would agree 100%. And, and the agent you hire should be able to bring that information to the table and, and they should be able to give it to you even before you officially hire them. They should be able to you know, consult with you and tell you, this is why I like this area. This is why I don't like this area. If you're considering this part of the market, here's what I would tell you about that. And they should be able to educate. That's, that's their business. Like that's their game plan. And if you're in 40 states, you know a lot about a lot of places. We, we do. We do. We have specialists that are, that are across the country and, and we see and we track the data uh, from everything from, you know, you know, Philadelphia and Boston and, and Jersey and, uh, you know, Manhattan all the way over to Orange County up to Seattle. We're doing stuff in Alaska and everything in between. And, and Tulsa, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma is very different than, uh, than Los Angeles. And so it's, it's having somebody who understands, excuse me, understands the market and then understands your needs. You, you, you bring those two combinations or those two concepts together. It's going to help position you to achieve much more favorable terms. All right. Now we're going to get a little dark here. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but there's like <laughs> this, uh, there's like this uh, virus thing going around and I guess you can say civil unrest and economic yep. unrest, economic uncertainty, all these sort of things is what is the environment like in uh, this? This is tough because you're in 40 different States. It's going to be 40 different answers, but what is the commercial real estate market looking like right now? Like is, 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 uh, is like leasing, it's always going to be an option, but what is it looking like right now? And what do you think it's going to look like in the near future? Be a prognosticator for me. Yeah, I'd love to, love to. Here, here's my outlook on the market. Uh, you are going to see large office users that are going to realize they don't need the same square footage that they were leasing before. And some of those people have leases that are coming up soon and they're going to start downsizing quickly. Other ones, they have to wait because their lease has expired. So you're not going to see the effects of that for a while. Uh, you're, we're seeing right now, we're seeing retailers go out, you know, you're seeing a lot of restaurants that can't hold on, et cetera, uh, that they can't open or they haven't been open. And so you're seeing people like that, that are going to downsize. I do believe we're going to see a softening in the market when it comes to office space, when it comes to retail space. I do not believe uh, at all the market's going to collapse. I don't believe this is 2001 or 2007. I don't believe it's, it's, this was a forced shutdown, not a, not an economic recession or correction because of crazy you know, business principles that weren't sustainable. So I, I do believe that, I believe the market's going to soften. Number one, I don't believe it's going to be a crash. Again, this is just speculation. It's my prediction. Uh, but it, it does, it is going to open up and present new opportunities to, to transact. Uh, some markets, as you mentioned, they are not slowing down at all. Like we have some deals in Miami right now. And for every space that's available in certain areas, there's five tenants competing for that. Yeah. That's not, that's not going to change. Um, other markets, people are slowing down or holding off a little bit. And so it's creating more vacancy or less competition and landlords are willing to get more aggressive. So I, this is what I tell people. 
I wouldn't try to time the market. If you want to do a deal and you want to open your own practice, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold off from doing that, hoping you're going to time it perfectly because it doesn't work that way. Right. If you're an existing doctor and you have your own practice and you want to get a better spot or a better location, larger space, you want to buy, uh, same thing. If your lease is coming up, you've got to deal with it. And so doing a, a short-term lease, hoping to figure out if the market's going to change or not, that's not really advisable. You should, you should still look at how do you capitalize right now? Yeah, you get um, the inventory that you get when you get it. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You know, this is, this is what we're dealing with. It's your absolutely. time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, the idea of like, well, I want to wait six months or sure you can do that, but that's, uh, there's no guarantee the market's going to be any different in six months. You might just be six months behind. And if you're going to build out a new space, then you're really a year behind because it takes six months to do a deal and then usually six months to build it out. It's not six months of swinging hammers. You've got all the, all the applications and zoning and the, the, the yeah. permitting and the structure documents, et cetera. So we're, we're encouraging people to listen. Let's go to the market right now. Do the best you can with the, with the environment. And if you don't see what you're looking for, if you're not happy with the terms, then you can push pause, but then you're not speculating. Because the reality is you might find the best location that you could imagine right now at very competitive rates. And then you do have concepts like, you know, financing has never been more competitive. Like the, the interest rates we're seeing right now, commercial and residential, they're unprecedented. I mean, yeah. you can get a residential loan right now for two and a half percent. I mean, it's, that's, it's unbelievable. You can, you can purchase a, a car and pay zero to 2% interest. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. So Commercial real estate thing that you can buy real estate right now for 3%, 4%, 5% in commercial, those are all-time lows. That's crazy. And then when it comes to the construction market, uh, that has softened. That has softened in a lot of markets. And uh, the other thing too is a lot of people are trying to ensure their pipeline stays full. And so what we're hearing from a lot of the larger contractors is that their subcontractors are coming in more competitively. And in the past when maybe you know you might have you know, two or three subs in a certain trade bid on a, on a project, they're getting six, seven subs bidding on a trade in each project now. So you're seeing better construction pricing right now. You're seeing unprecedented interest rates. And you do have the other aspect where landlords, they don't want vacant spaces. And if they can lock down a deal right now, there are a lot of landlords that will get more competitive. Some markets, nothing's changing. So I'm not saying every market they're giving away deals, but there are markets where landlords are willing to get more competitive and they're willing to stretch further to ensure someone's in their space paying, paying the bill uh, yeah. so that they can guarantee that they don't have uh, a problem in the future. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, uh, I think some people walk around thinking like, Oh, rents like across the board rents are just going to go down and it's not, that's not a softening. The softening is just like more room to negotiate more room to wheel and deal and get, get a favorable deal in your favor. And, um, this is really just people moving, right? We're moving people from one type of office to another. Some people are moving out of their offices. Some people, it's time for them to retire. It's just sort of a, you know, we're we're shaking the the, the beach sand off of our blanket, but someone's got absolutely. to sit. Someone's got to sit on that blanket next. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, summary is this: is that uh, go to the market, see what's out there. If you're liking what you see if the numbers make sense capitalize if you go to the market and you don't like what you see it's not where you want to be then then you push pause but at least you're doing it based upon you know logic and facts and numbers and then when you go back to the market in six months or a year then you can compare it 
Um, the problem is people speculate and they, they think that they can time it and then you can't, yeah. you know, yeah, they, right, they, right. if the market does go down uh, for a little bit or dips and they get after it by the time they actually get ready to do their deal, the market's jumping back up again and they're just six months or 12 months behind and that, that's not the ideal way to do it. It's like the theme of the podcast, intentionality, not being emotional. Don't get too that's, emotional. Like, you know, you don't need a huge educate. Like when you were educated on how to do all this, whether you learned it on the job training or you went to school and you learned all this stuff, how much of it can be summed up in just like an hour with this kind of phrasing? Don't get emotional, be intentional, be willing to walk, always look for a deal. The rest of it is just accounting and, and mathematics and, you know, understanding the laws, right? But yeah. you're, your, mo your general guiding force should be non-emotionality, being intentional, always looking for a deal. And, and you said it earlier, on top of that is, is utilize advisors that are experts, build your team because they're going to help protect you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we should definitely consider CAR for part of our team building strategy. Uh, is there any way or anything... Um, you can put out to people for how to reach you, how to ask questions, what's the best way to do it, some educational resources. These folks really love to learn. They're, they're awesome people with uh, really, really solid intentions for what, what they want to do for humanity and serving their patients, which means that they're a little bit like if this was a Madden football character, they're like strong on, in, on caring and they're a little low on business. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're like 99 in the awesome person and caring for others and clinical skill category. And they're like a 67 on business, uh, you know, and, and like speed, speed and throwing yeah. power are a little low. So where can they go to learn more from you, learn more about you and get some more information? Because this is hugely important because it can set you up for so much success or failure in your business. Um, some people who do fail wonder how they failed and they, and they think it's like they smelled bad or they didn't do the right adjustment, or they didn't put out the right Facebook ad. And sometimes just, it's just how you negotiated your lease to start your whole, your whole damn thing off. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. That, so to answer that, the, the best way to get a hold of us is our website, and that's car.us, C-A-R-R.us. And we've got a ton of resources. We have a resource tab that has uh, commercial real estate glossary, FAQs. We've got dozens of educational articles on tips and tricks, strategies, common mistakes, more information than they're going to be able to process. And then in the upper right-hand corner of our website, we have uh, two tabs specifically uh, to note. One is find an agent. And if you are in a specific city or you're moving to a specific city and you want to get in touch with somebody who understands the landscape, uh, who could help uh, start the process or start advising you, you can find an agent and that's a great way to connect with one of our team members. Uh, they'll give you a ton of information, help you in any way they possibly can. And then we also have a evaluation or a free evaluation tab. And what that is, is that if you're in a space right now and you want to know how your lease compares to the current market, we'll do a free, a free lease evaluation. If you want to know what it would look like if you were to purchase real estate versus leasing, we'll do a free lease versus purchase evaluation as well. And we arm healthcare providers with, with market information, with data that's specific to their needs and their future requirements. And then that helps start the process. You know real quickly, what's the right time you start a negotiation? You start the process to go look at properties. You know, what should you be looking at? What should you not be looking at? 
And it, it basically opens up all the available options and it gives you a roadmap for success. Excellent. You, um, you laughed at some of my jokes and that's great. You, <laughs> I can tell you're a cool dude. Even, you know, I would, I would hang out with you even though you got the whole Denver thing going on. Um, you know, and I'm all about rip city over here. I, well, let me, let me start by saying this real quickly. I would love nothing more than uh, Denver and Portland to face each other. Western conference uh, finals. Yes. That, yeah. that would be, I would love nothing more. I'm not. So anyone who's in Los Angeles or Lakers fan, not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but I would love to see Portland uh, take I'm that series. You. If we do that, I will, I will fly to Denver and I'll hang out with you in the bubble. We'll have our own bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks a little different. Looks a little different right now than it did uh it did last yeah, year, years past. Sure does. You uh you reek of professionalism. I think if if somebody was in this leasing game and they didn't at least take a look at what you got to offer, they'd be a fool. So hopefully we got more in the future to work with you on and uh and I appreciate taking time on our podcast to let this group of people know what's available to them. Likewise, I, I really appreciate your time. There's a lot well. of room to win out there. They just need to uh, decide that they want to win, and it's definitely possible. I agree 100%. All right, take care. You too.